Blue Wire. Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4. Jackson takes it himself, look at him dart back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankle. Watson stays on his feet, throws on the run, touchdown. Watson, a magician. Mahomes winds it up wide open. Welcome to another episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast. I am your host, Ari Merov. A very fun episode coming up here in a little bit. But we have to start with some big breaking news that dropped on Sunday afternoon. Cam Newton is a New England Patriot. The former NFL MVP will go to New England and have a chance to start and replace Tom Brady. And really, are people shocked? We all knew Bill Belichick would strike at some point and make a move because he just always does. And just like that, we have another major storyline for the 2020 NFL season. And here's just a small thought. We've seen the workout videos. Cam appears to be healthy. We don't know for sure, but based off his videos, he looks amazing. And assuming he becomes a starter in New England, his receivers as of right now is slated to be Julian Edelman, and Keel Harry, Mohamed Sanu, and Demir Bird, who was signed this offseason. Now, that doesn't sound great, but if you look at Cam's 2015 MVP season, when he was just unstoppable and simply incredible, his receivers were Ted Ginn Jr., an old Jericho Cotri, Devin Funches, who was a rookie, and Corey Brown. That's not great either. You can make the argument the Patriots receiver groups right now is actually better. Sure, Cam is not the same quarterback as what he was back then, but if he is healthy and you pair him with Josh McDaniel's offense and the offensive line is getting David Andrews back at center, they still have all their running backs. This offense could be a lot of fun. There's a lot of question marks over here, but man, this could be really exciting. And just like that, Cam is back in the NFL, Cam might be starting, and the AFC just got so much more interesting. On this week's episode, we have another special guest, and this was a fun one, as I said. Chris Gronkowski was my guest this week. Chris played in the NFL for a few years. He has four more brothers, including Rob Gronkowski. Maybe you've heard of him. After Chris finished playing in the NFL, he started his own business called Ice Shaker. He went on Shark Tank with all his brothers, and it was one of the most entertaining episodes in the show's history. He ended up getting a deal with two sharks, and we talked about all of that, that experience, Rob's decision to return to football, and he also shared a bunch of great and hilarious stories. I think you guys will really enjoy this one. Before we go to Chris, though, a quick word from our exclusive sponsor, BetOnline.ag. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. Sports is slowly making its way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. If you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. If you're looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline also has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets for you to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, for a free welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. 
All right, so now here it is, my full discussion with Chris Gronkowski. For those who did not see Chris on Shark Tank, I put a five-minute clip from his episode in the description so you could just see a little bit of what went down when he was there on the show. It was very entertaining. So go check that out as well. But now, here it is, my full discussion with Chris Gronkowski. Alrighty, joining me now here on the My Sports Update Football Podcast. He played in the NFL for a few years. He's the founder of Ice Shaker. He hosts the Gronk Up Podcast, and his family is simply awesome. It is Chris Gronkowski. Chris, thanks for coming on. How are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, Art. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. First of all, I got to congratulate you, man. You had a baby boy recently, so congrats on that. That's Thank three you. boys now, right? Yeah, I'm catching up to my dad. Yeah, you sound like a Gronkowski, man. You guys are five brothers, no <laughs> sisters. You have three sons, no daughters. Sounds exactly like a Gronkowski. It's crazy, right? I thought for sure I was going to have all girls, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's possible anymore. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think you guys don't know how to make girls. I'm struggling in that department. <laughs> Alrighty, so, you know, this, of course, is a football podcast, and we'll talk some football later on, but I want to start with your company, Ice Shaker, and being on Shark Tank. First off, for the people who might not know, what is Ice Shaker, and how did you think of this idea in the first place? Yeah, man, uh, so Ice Shaker is a kitchen-grade insulated stainless steel bottle, so uh, really the idea was, hey, man, I'm in Texas now, you know, I'm living an active and healthy lifestyle after football ended, I'm going to the gym every day, sometimes twice a day. And, um, you know, I just wanted a bottle that I could use all day, every day, that was super easy to clean, super easy to fill and mix powders in or protein shakes so I could crush a shake at any time during the day. But, uh, you know, I also wanted to be able to just bring it to work or bring it on the airplane with me or bring it in the pool or just chill at home and, and sip out of it as well. So uh, my goal at the time was, hey, let's just make one cup that I can use all day, every day. You know, that's where the where Ice Shaker came from. Yeah, so you end up going on Shark Tank, and I'm an avid Shark Tank watcher. Like, football's number one for me. Like, Shark Tank is probably number two. I'm not even kidding. It's, one of my, <laughs> it's like one of my favorite shows. Your episode is like my personal favorite because everything about it was just awesome. But we only got to see 10 minutes of it. There was so much more that goes on. So how did you even get on Shark Tank in the first place? It's not like just sign up and we'll bring you on. You know, it doesn't work like that. What was the process to getting in front of the Sharks? Yeah, that's, that's a football story. And this is a football podcast, so it goes perfect with it. Yeah. Uh, 2013, uh, actually 2012, I think it was. I'm with the, the Denver Broncos at the time. I get an email from Drew Rosenhaus uh, from their marketing side. And uh, it says, hey, uh, Shark Tank is looking for any current or former NFL players that might have a really cool idea or business that might want to go on ABC Shark Tank. And so I see this, and, and I'm a guy like you. you know, I, uh, I love sports, and I loved watching Shark Tank. And uh, I'm like, man, that's, that's freaking sweet. Uh, but I'm in the middle of my career as an NFL player. I have absolutely nothing that I could pitch. Uh, but I kind of just stashed this email away and I started. And I started thinking like, hey, man, maybe one day I'll go back and uh, I'll have this cool idea. So uh, fast forward 2016, I think of this idea while I'm in Texas at the gym. And, um, you know, the, 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 the brain starts you know, moving. It starts ticking. And I'm like, man, I got to figure out a way how to get on Shark Tank. So at first, I didn't reach out to him. Uh, I was about three months into the business, and I wanted to at least prove myself that um, you know, I had something that was actually worth going on the show. So I was about three months in. I had about $30,000 in sales. I was like, man, I, I think it's time. I think it's time to hit him up. So I shot back an email. I got a response that said, hey, I don't work there anymore. <laughs> I was like, man, all this planning and uh, you know, uh, this, this whole game plan I had just got thrown out the window. Uh, I get hit up about 10 minutes later, and she's like, oh, hey, I found the girl that works here now who took my spot. Uh, here's her email. 
So I hit her up and um, you know, she sent me back an email and said, yeah, we're interested. If you could send back a video, we, we'd love to um, you know, consider it. So the video kind of outlined what they wanted to see, talk about the business, talk about yourself. And um, you know, all I kind of read was make this as entertaining as possible uh, and catch their attention. It's all I kept thinking. So right. made a video of um, the product, explained it, but also then you know, threw highlight clips in of me playing football, um, me at the gym, ripping off my shirt. Just doing everything I could think of to kind of catch their attention because at the end of the day, I knew that, uh, you know, this was a show that was for entertainment. Yeah. And I also knew that they were reaching out to NFL players because they, they want to build an audience. They want to entertain people. And that was kind of the goal. So uh, I wanted to play into that goal. And with that video, it did. And uh, it caught their attention. And, and I got an email back a couple of days later saying, hey, we'd love to move forward with the process. Uh, you know, it's not that easy. It was still a couple of months, a ton of paperwork. Uh, before I actually got on to uh, or even had a chance to go on the show. So uh, amazing experience, but uh, definitely a lot of work that went behind it as well. So wait one second. Let me get this straight. You responded to a four or five-year-old email in order to get on the show? Yeah, yeah, I did. Four, four years old, I think it was. So you respond to a four-year-old email. You get in touch with someone who does not work there anymore. That person puts you in touch with the person who does work there. And after all the paperwork and all of that, you finally get on the show. When you got there, did the Sharks know who you were? Because I realized when you introduced yourself, you said only Chris, not Chris Gronkowski. Do the Sharks know anything about you beforehand? No, so they do nothing. Uh, they told me... Um to just say Chris, they didn't want me to say my last name because, you know, my four brothers were hiding in the back room Yeah, to come out and uh, give me a massive chest bump. So they said, just say my first name. And, and so I, I kind of, I did it that way. They didn't recognize me when I came out. Um, I don't think Barbara said, uh, when I said I was the, the shortest or the smallest of, of uh, wow. you know, five brothers, uh, she was like, Ooh, or, or she made a <laughs> comment, but when she said it, I thought she maybe knew. But um, it turns out she had no idea. She was just, uh, she was just excited that, uh, that I had some brothers, I guess. But uh, that, that one kind of threw me off. But um, no, they had no idea. Uh, they actually hit us in, in the trailers in the back. No one on set was allowed to know, um, you know who was there. Like no one knew Rob was actually there uh, because they didn't, want, they didn't want the word to get out. They didn't want the sharks to know. And, and the show really is what they say it is. It, it's 100% exactly how it, it plays out. You know, it's real investments. Uh, it's real exposure. It's real money. Uh, that, that money comes into your bank account and, you know, the sales do blow up. And, and what I tell people all the time is, you know, you're not just living on a, an island afterwards. The sales do blow up, but so does the work. And, uh, you know, when your sales 10x overnight, your workload also 10x overnight as well. And uh, I was working out of my house. You know, I had the, the, the product was in the upstairs in my loft and um, in my garage and there was no employee. So it really became a full time business overnight. Yeah, by the way, is it true that when you get there, all five sharks are just staring at you for three or four minutes until it's time to start? Yeah, kind of true. So when you get there, uh, they want to shoot every angle of you, right? Uh, so they have the camera circle around you. They want to focus in. They want to make sure everything's good. So you walk out and you, there's an X on the ground and you stand there and they hit you for about two minutes. But the, the part that's not true is that the sharks are not staring at you. They're uh -huh. actually, you know, they do this all day long. And they're almost just catching up on everything else that's going on on the outside. So, you know, kind of like when you're at a podcast like this uh, and after uh, you have all these texts and people hitting you up in emails, mm -hmm. well, they're actually sitting there still on their phones <laughs> and they're like checking texts and like hitting back whoever hit them up. And so when I walked out there, um, I was expecting to kind of get that stare down like they do. They show on TV where they just like stare them down, mm -hmm. but they're not, they're not doing that. You actually walk in and um, for me, it almost felt like 
I was in the room with some friends because I watched so many episodes that I knew every single thing about the Sharks. And I almost felt like I knew them when I walked out there. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, because listen, you made your presentation and then all your brothers came out, as you said before. And then you guys did this massive chest bump together. And after that, you and your brothers played Flip Cup against the Five Sharks, which really made it look like you guys were friends. <laughs> I have to say, Gina's idea to A, bring your brothers, and then B, to play Flip Cup, because the energy in the room completely changed after that. Was that your idea to play Flip Cup against the Sharks? It was mine. And, um, you know, the, the producers weren't super excited about it because usually the game's played with alcohol, and that's the last yeah. thing they want to promote. Uh, so I had to really convince him that, um, you know, this is how I got hydrated after a big game. I'd fill it up with water and we'd, we'd play with water. It was, uh, was my pitch and, and it worked. But for me, what I thought was, um, you know, they wanted to go in and like do a, like a workout competition and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just not that exciting to watch, to watch like, hey, let's do a push-up competition, see who could do more. Well, you know, three Duh. minutes in, watching someone do push-ups really isn't that exciting mm -hmm. uh, so I wanted to find a way to also do a five-on-five -five challenge there's five bros there's five sharks you know let's find a way to go against each other and um, and make it entertaining and make it interactive and really introduce ourselves and our personality to them and flip cup was the best way to do it that mm -hmm. I thought and um, you know it ended up being a huge game changer for us because like you said the mood in the room completely changed and you know, the hard questions that I was prepared for and I was ready for that I thought I was going to get, you know, thrown at me the whole time, they kind of just disappeared when they, when they saw the personality and, um, and, and, you know, how we were doing things. And I never got asked those hard questions. Yeah, the only takeaway I had from that game, I don't know if you realize this, by the way, but Mark Cuban was kind of annoyed that he didn't get a chance to flip the cup. Like, he was taking that game really seriously. He took off the jacket and everything, and it never got to him. Yeah, he must, he must be practicing, man. He must have been ready to go because he was mad that he didn't he didn't get a chance. He said he'd take us out if you if he played us uh, you know one on one. Yeah, I mean like he was like Alex chug it, chug it, chug it. Like whatever, he didn't get to him. <laughs> he should have went first. Yeah, he, he was go. he was last online, and you could see after I don't know who was last. I think it was Gordy who was last, and he was like, "Come on, guys, you couldn't go faster." <laughs> yeah, he actually flipped it after too. Um, I don't know if they showed it, but he did he did one flip it. Um, so he, he chugged it and then flipped it and, uh, he landed in one. So he was ready for sure. I think all of you guys got it at one besides for Gronk, Gronk, I think, right. That's for Ralph. Yeah, it, I think it took, he took two flips, which was great. But, uh, man, for all the preparation I did for the show, I also prepared really hard in flip cup too. And I was in my room the night before and I had a solo cup and I was just practicing because I was like, man, I'm the, I'm the guy starting it. And if I can't do, you know, at least flip it in two or three. Uh, Max, you know, it's going to be really embarrassing on national TVs. So I had to make sure that my flip cup game was down as well. So you are like really prepared because I rewatched the episode earlier this week. I realized you were ready for every question they threw at you. Like there were no ums or let me think about it. Like the Sharks asked you a question, bam, you do the answer. How long did you really prepare for all of this? Man, I mean, it was months. It really was. Uh, it was a couple months leading up to it. And what's crazy about the show too is even when you get there, sometimes you don't even record. And even when you record and actually film, uh, a lot of times it doesn't air. Uh, so that's, that's one thing that's crazy about it, too, because um, a lot of times, and I'm sure you've seen this uh, as being a fan of the show, people sell out of product. Mm -hmm. And going in there, I was like, well, how can you ever sell out of product when you have this one opportunity to just absolutely crush it, right? And um, you know what I found out was even if you do record, uh, you might not air. And even when you air, they're not going to tell you when you're going to air until about wow. two weeks 
before. Uh, so they give you a two week window to prepare. And if you know, if you're, if you're making a product that takes, you know, has a lead time of more than two weeks, you're not going to have product. Um, you know, and you also don't have the capital necessarily yet. Sometimes those deals don't close and the show airs. So, uh, you know, you're still working on closing the deal. I actually got my deal done, um, about a week before it. Oh, and wow. uh, a lot of times the companies need that money for inventory. So, you know, if you hadn't closed the deal yet, you, you don't even have the funds either. Uh, and if that's what you're depending on for inventory, you, you don't have it. So you can't buy inventory. So a lot of, a lot of crazy things that I guess people don't realize. I didn't realize, um, walking into the show that that's how it was. I, I didn't realize why people would ever not be prepared for the show. But you know, there are things that make sense to me now once I once I found that out. Yeah, so it sounds like there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that goes on that we don't know about while watching the show. By the way, you also had Alex Rodriguez on as a guest shark when you were on and of course he invested in the company. When did you know Arod was going to be on the show? Because I think that probably benefited you since he does have a sports background, right? Yeah, so I, I knew uh, a couple weeks before, I think it was. Uh, and what was hard about it was that it was his first time on. So, you know, the other Sharks, I, I was able to research. I was able to go back. I was able to see what kind of deals they've done in the past, uh, you know, what kind of questions they asked, stuff like that. Whereas, um, you know, with Alex, there was nothing. You know, there was, there was, and it was hard to find, you know, information about what he was really doing, what, what A-Rod Corp was really, really doing and, and get the behind the scenes on that. So, uh, that was definitely a, a question mark walking in. Right. You know, it's crazy to me because you had something happen, which is just so rare for people who go on Shark Tank. Everyone made you an offer. Nobody went out. Barbara offered you exactly what you came in asking for, which is extremely rare. Yep. And, you know, one of the things that I've realized with Shark Tank from watching the show is that if you come in with a crazy valuation, the sharks are going to crush you like an ant. How did you settle on your valuation when you came in? Uh, so, yeah, man, I actually uh, I got on the phone with my dad, who's been in business uh, for over 30 years. And I said, hey, dad, let's, uh, let's, let's create a valuation uh, that I can explain why, why it's at this valuation. So, uh, you know, we, we wanted the numbers to make sense. We wanted to, um, you know, at the end of the day, your valuation, what your company's worth is, is what you can convince people of. So, um, you know, we sat down and said, Hey, these are the numbers. This is what we think it's going to be. This is what we think we'll be at, at the end of the year. That's how much profit we think we're going to have. And then, you know, this industry, it gets a five X. So let's put it at that. So, um, you know, if they wanted to ask me why my valuation was at that number, which, um, I believe they did, but I don't think they showed it. Uh, I think Mr. Wonderful actually asked me, I think, cause he, he tried cutting the valuation in half. Yeah. So he came after me and, and um, I was ready to explain it. And I did explain it. And after I explained it, um, I, I think they saw that I was pretty much set at that number. And at the end of the show, I was actually able to, um, you know, get, get Mark and Alex to come back to my number. And, and I think it's because they knew I had a solid reason for it. So, uh, yeah, I just, I just put the numbers together. I, thought, I put together what I thought our sales would end at that year and um, what our profit would be. And, and then I gave me a, myself a, a multiple that I thought made sense for our industry. Yeah, I think Kevin asked you the question, and then Mark stopped him because he wanted to explain who the Gronkowskis are, and then um, <laughs> we didn't get to see after that. How much editing is there? How how long were you actually there for? Because we we only saw like nine minutes of it. How long were you actually there for? Yeah, it's it's a long time, and uh, I've heard some of them could take hours. Uh, we were definitely under an hour, I'd probably say. It's hard to tell because uh, you you get lost in the moment for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I would probably say it was probably about 45 minutes to an hour that we're, we were actually recording. 
and then they chop it down to the best eight, man. It's an entertainment show. Uh, they want, they want to make it entertaining. And, uh, when you have a, an intro like that, plus a flip cup game, it takes about half of it up. So <laughs> yeah. really about four minutes of the actual negotiation was shown out of probably, probably, you know, 40, 40 minutes of actual negotiation. Yeah. So eventually you end up, you end up getting a deal with Mark and Alex, but I heard Alex sold his share of the company to Rob, to your brother. How did that happen? Yeah, man. So when Rob left the NFL, he was, you know, he was, he was looking for stuff to do and he knew he wanted to be in the health and wellness and space. And, and he was going to live an active and healthy lifestyle. And, you know, he really did help me get to where I was with ice shaker. Uh, so, you know, he reached out and said, Hey man, I don't know what I'm going to do after football, but I would love to be a part of it because man, when we're together, um, you know, it's not really work. It's fun. Mm-hmm. And we love shooting videos. We love shooting content and it all benefits the company. So I was like, yeah, man, let's find a way to get you in. So, uh, we reached out to Alex and um, Alex was the same way. You know, he had so much going on with everything that he was doing that he really couldn't focus on Ice Shaker. You know, it really wasn't a big part, man. He had J-Lo. He had so much cool stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we reached out and just said, hey, man, um, I-, I know you know what family's all about. Uh, we also know that you're super, super busy. You know, is there any way that you would sell your shares to Rob uh, and he could come in and, and, you know, it would be one of his focuses. You know, he was, he was really looking for things to do. So, uh, um, Alex was, was gracious enough to do it. Uh, he really did it not because he wanted to sell the company, but because he saw how passionate we were about, you know, with, with family and, um, he wanted to, to make that happen for us. Yeah. And again, Alex is not a regular guest there. So Mark is, does Mark like have a team and everything? Like how do you, do you stay in touch with him? How does it work? Does it email call whenever you want? How does that work? Yeah. So if I need to talk to Mark, I can, but, um, you know, I'm not going to just hit him up, just <laughs> hit him up. Um, you know, if there's something really important, I'll shoot him an email and he actually responds right away. Uh, so it's absolutely awesome. But for the most part, uh, he's built out a team and he has uh, a consultant that I talk to, uh, on a regular basis for the most part. Um, you know, I'll usually, uh, his name's John. I'll talk to him probably one, once or twice a week, um, or, or sometimes more depending on what's going on. So anytime I have questions or a lot of times it's just networking, you know, if, there's someone that I want to meet or, um, you know, there's someone in his portfolio that he thinks can help me, you know, we'll reach out and, and we'll, we'll get connected with them. So a really cool networking opportunity, but really, really good for advice as well. Yeah. I've heard Mark say in the past that he always gets back to his people, especially when they email him. And that is exactly what you just said. One more thing here on Shark Tank. Shark Tank, of course, is huge. There is no secret about that. But how much did the business elevate after the show aired? I know you came into the tank with 80,000 in sales. How much did it explode after the fact? Yeah, man, we, we had the, we had the update, uh, one year update that we recorded, we filmed for shark tank and, uh, it actually aired a year later, mm-hmm. but, um, it, it's the real deal. We went from the 80,000, uh, in the first 12 months, we sold over 3 million. Oh, wow. So yeah, shark tank is the real deal. You probably saved a few years of work by just going on that show, right? Yeah, so I would say it probably cut about five years of work down to one or five years of exposure, <laughs> I would say. And then also just like proof of concept, you know, by having all five sharks offer us and then to close the deal, uh, you know, the proof of concept was there overnight. You know, a lot of times you have to build that trust with, with customers and uh, in your audience. And that trust was almost there immediately just because the five sharks, uh, you know, saw, saw value in the product. Yeah, and as I said before, that is just extremely rare to have all five sharks in and making offers. By the way, when you originally started, 
How many prototypes did you go through until you finally got it down? I've heard from businesses that it takes a while until they finally get what they want it to be. Yeah, it, it, a lot, a lot. Um, it, was, it was probably like 20 and a lot of it came down to the seals. Um, you know, the last thing I wanted was for the bottle to leak. That was always the biggest complaint of, of any bottle. So we just kept going through different seals, trying different things, inner seals, outer seals, stuff like that until, um, you know, we were super comfortable with a product that we, we knew would, uh, would work well. I hear. I mean, you guys have grown it up till this point. I mean, hopefully it keeps on growing and growing gets to the point like a, like a Yeti. Is that like the ultimate goal for you guys? Man, no, it's, it's the ice shaker. It's not the, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of the, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> no, I look at them and, um, absolutely amazing what, what they've, what Yeti has done. You know, absolutely. Um, if we could get to that, that would, that would be a dream for us. And, you know, that takes hard work. You know, Yeti, when they exploded, uh, I think they were, they were like eight years old. Uh, a lot of people thought they were a new company. Uh, what they didn't see was all the hard work and all the, all the grinding for those, those eight years before they actually exploded onto the scene. I hear, man. It's absolutely incredible. Hopefully it keeps on growing. I want to shift over here to some football. You know, I'll talk about your career as well, but I want to start talking about your brother, Rob. He's back in the NFL. First of all, did it surprise you that Rob came back? Because I saw you on TMZ a month before. <laughs> And you yeah. said you said he's not coming back, okay? Did it surprise you that he came back, or were you bluffing? What what was that? Man, yeah, he made me look like an idiot. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. I, I didn't I didn't think he was going to come back. He had so much cool stuff going on. Uh, you know, life after football for him has been super successful. Uh, you know, he's he's you know he's doing just as well um, afterwards. So, uh, man, it was a beatdown watching him leave the game, uh, you know, the, the Super Bowl that, that they won, you know, afterwards, I thought we were going to celebrate. Uh, the celebration was, you know, us walking him to the bathroom and take a piss because he couldn't walk from that hit that he took in the second quarter. Um, you know, so just an absolute beatdown. Um, it, it, it's hard. It's hard, man. The hardest thing to do is play hurt. And uh, I, I thought it, it was over for him at that point. Uh, but, you know, the, he got healthy. Uh, he took care of himself and the fire is still burning, you know, and, he, and he's still young. So, um, I didn't think he was going to come back, but um, I saw how good he felt, and I saw that passion in his eyes still. And uh, every time he talked about football, he would just light up. So um, I think he realized that it was still there. And, and uh, man, for me, it's anything in life. If you have a you know a what if or you know, what if I did do this, you know, I, I think you just have to go for it. And I yeah. think that's how he was feeling as well. You know, he didn't want to look back and regret something uh, for the rest of his life. So, you know, he, he if if he feels like he, he still has that fire burning, I, you know, you got to go for it. And that's what he did. Yeah, I totally understood him retiring last year. You just said it. He couldn't walk after that second quarter hit in the Super Bowl. It surprised me that he came back. It sounds like it surprised you that he came back. But now that he is back, what are your expectations for Rob this year? Is he going to be used a whole lot like he was in New England? Or with all the weapons now that they have in Tampa, he won't have to be a one-man wrecking crew like he was with the Patriots? Man, it's, I expect a, a fun year is what I see coming. Um, hopefully less double coverage. And, um, I, I mean, they have such a, a powerful offense now in, in 2,000-yard receivers that you know they're going to have to pick and choose who they double cover. So... Um, whoever the guy that doesn't get double cover is going to have a great year or a great game. And, um, man, talking to him, uh, you know, he's, he's back at, at, at ground zero is how he kind of explained it. Um, he's going in there. He's going to put his head down. He's going to work hard. And um, he's, you're going you're gonna to see, I think, uh, an amazing year. I think that the, the whole thing with COVID and everything shut down right now, I think it's just benefiting 
him and Tom and the team because a lot of guys are probably chilling. A lot of guys are probably not working as hard as they normally would if the stadium was open, if they're able to get into the complex. Because, man, at the end of the day, it's hard mm-hmm. to get motivated and to work that hard, um, you know, if someone's not there pushing you. So, uh, you know, those guys are going to do it. Rob, Rob's going to do it. Tom's going to do it. We all know that. It's proven that they don't care where they are, what situation it is. They're going to absolutely grind and, and work their hardest. So uh, I think they're going to come out ahead of everyone else. And uh, I think they're going to have a, a great year. I mean, that's, that's how I see it playing out. Yeah, we've seen the pictures and videos of Tom and Gronk and everyone else working out together. It's insane the amount of talent there is on that offense with Brady and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Rob, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brate. By the way, do me a favor. Tell Rob that it's Brate, not Brat. He keeps on saying Brat. <laughs> yeah, he came out and said uh, he hasn't met him yet, so he doesn't officially know his name. <laughs> He keeps on saying Brad in all these press conferences with the, with the media. It makes me laugh every time, but it, it's great, okay? <laughs> I'll, let him, I'll let him know. I'll let him know. He, I mean, you know, his, his English hasn't always been his, his best aspect, so he likes uh, getting a little crazy with his words sometimes. So, yeah, so there's a lot of talent at offense, and I want to go back to one more thing with him coming back. You know, I know Rob has all the respect in the world for the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Like, I saw Bill was at the, um, the beach party you guys had at the Super Bowl yeah. in Miami which I was shocked to see him there, to be honest. But um, let's say Tom stayed in New England. Do you think Rob comes back to the cold weather and that culture, which is different than other teams? He would have been the main guy again, also double teams and everything. Man, it's hard to say, but I, I just don't even think it was a possibility. Um, just based on you know, their salary cap and how they were playing it, they, you know, I don't even think he was able to come back to, to, to New England, even if he wanted to. But um, – Man, it's hard to say. I, I didn't think he was coming back until he came back. Uh, There's a lot of things that had to line up, and um, I, I think just everything hit right. Uh, you know, he had to feel like they really, really, really wanted him back, and I don't think that would have ever been the situation in New England. Yeah, I mean, I think everything did line up perfectly for him. You know, it's a warm-weather team. Tom went there. The offense is loaded. He won't be double-covered, as you said. I'm really excited to see that offense, so um, hopefully we do have – football starting on time. You also played in the NFL for a little bit, but I want to go back to college first because I know you started at Maryland and then transferred to Arizona when Rob got there. How did you guys even end up in Arizona in the first place? Like, How does someone who <laughs> grows up in Buffalo end up going to college in Arizona? Yeah, it's a crazy story, man. Uh, let's see. So we had a, a family friend. Uh, he was in the fitness industry. He played at Arizona and um, he knew my dad well from uh from selling fitness equipment and uh his name was donnie salem and this guy was die hard alumni of arizona you know he'd always talk about it even though they sucked for like 10 years <laughs> and uh he always just pushed us and pushed us and pushed us to go there well um you know i was at maryland and it was a tough situation for me and i wanted to get out of there and um you know rob was just this absolute superstar coming out he had offers from everyone and the game plan kind of was hey man wherever you're going, I'm coming. So let's find a team that will take both of us and keep me on scholarship, right? Uh, so that was kind of the game plan. And then, man, we start going, uh, you know, visits to Arizona. And, you know, they're taking us out. They're letting us whip the golf cart. Rob's driving it through bushes. And the coaches are, you know, loving it, laughing, at least they're pretending to. And, uh, you know, they're bringing us to, like, these. it's the middle of winter. And, you know, we're going to beach party or uh, pool parties. And, you know, just a completely di- different atmosphere. And then – uh you know, I, I think Sonny Dykes did a really good job of getting him there. Uh, you know, he, he was a guy who threw the ball to the tight end 80 times a year before. 
and um, you said, hey, there's a lot of opportunity here in this offense. And there's a lot of opportunity here at Arizona. Uh, you know, we haven't been great in the past, but you're going to be the, the guys that come in and change all that. And, and so it was kind of just um, this cool opportunity to go have fun, but also to change the entire atmosphere of a program. And, uh, you know, we were able to go to a bowl game for the first time in 10 years when we were there. Yeah, you guys went to, I think it's the Vegas Bowl. Am I right? Yeah, so we went to the Vegas Bowl, and, you know, we, we beat a, a ranked BYU. I think they were 11th or 13th in the nation at, at the time. And um, we were able to go in there to the Vegas Bowl, first bowl in, in 10 years, and, and win it. So it's a pretty cool uh, experience for us. Yeah, you guys really turned that place around while you were there. I mean, making them just getting to a bowl game, which is something they haven't been in like 10 years, I think, before that. I'm sure we can make a full episode just on this question. But what's the craziest and best story you have from Arizona Days of Rob? Man, I had him on my podcast, and he told a great one. So my podcast is gronked up, and mm-hmm. we had him on for an episode. But uh, he told a good one about his, our only – we were able to host one recruit, right? And yeah. – uh, that was a good. That was a good one. But I'll I'll save that one. You got you got to listen to Grogged Up for that one. That was mm-hmm. pretty good. But uh, man, we were known for uh, our house was called Club G, is what we call it. Uh, older brother Gordy came in and lived with us for a little bit. He was in the Angels organization at the time, and they were based out of Tempe, which was about an hour from us. So he came and stayed with us a lot. And um, you know, he was supposed to be mentoring us, but uh, he was he was really mentoring us at partying, is what it came down to. Uh, so one of the most epic, epic nights was, um, you know, we had this big party, uh, probably a lot of keg stands, and uh, we spilled all kinds of beer on the floor. And so we started dumping soap on the floor to clean it up. And, you know, our way of cleaning it up was like dump soap on the floor and, and rub your foot in it. And uh, it started to get super, super slippery. And people started slipping on it. And uh, someone, I don't know, it could have been me, could have been Rob, it could have been Gore, I don't know who did it, but someone just ran full speed and dove through it. and. Um, you know, this just became like this massive slip and slide in the house. So our front, we opened our front door and we opened our back door and we had like this ranch style house and we were running as fast as we could and we were trying to slide through the entire house. And then it kind of became like, hey, people were lining up and we became human bowling pins. And so we were sliding into people, taking everyone out. And, uh, and then it just got to the point where we were able to, um, you know, slide out into the back and then jump into the hot tub. And then we had all the soap on us. So our, our hot tub started bubbling over in soap. You're not supposed to put dish soap in the hot tub. Right. So the entire hot tub was just like soap, like ridiculous amounts of soap just bubbling everywhere. And uh, man, it finally ended because the floor got too slippery. And so I was trying to get more grip. So it, it's instead of uh, like running in the path, like a straight on path, I was trying to run from the side because it, it was getting too slippery. So I tried to cut the corner of the house and, ran full speed and um and dove and i went through the wall uh, like the corner of the wall which had like a metal stud in it and uh at that point we're like all right slip and slide is officially over (laughs) and that was it man that was that was that was the night that everyone remembers you guys are freaking crazy and i love it by the way you did you did an episode of rob it's two parts it was recent everyone should check that out gronked up episode gronked up podcast sorry um, another episode you did was with your agent, Drew Rosenhaus, and I listened to that. You were in the same draft class as Rob, and he was talking about how he was showing you a presentation to you guys, and there was this other agent who was interrupting him, and he got intense and everything, but yeah. he, didn't, he didn't say the full story. I, I want to hear this. What happened? Oh, man. Yeah, that's kinda, that, that was kind of what it was. You know, uh, you know, everyone wanted Rob, right? Yeah. And, uh, so they're fighting over him, and uh, 
know, every agent was calling. And, and so there was, there was meetings lined up and I, I think maybe Drew's was going a little over or maybe Rob double booked it. I don't know what it was, but um, the other agent was trying to get in. And uh, so it, they, they, they came into the room together. Right. So Drew was finally done. They came in together and um, they just started talking. He started talking trash to him. And Drew just wasn't going to stand up, you know, to, to someone talking trash to him. So he challenged him to a fight right then and there in front of us and said, you know, he was saying, hit me, you know, if you want, if you want to fight me, hit me right now, I'll give you the first shot. And, uh, man, it just got crazy in the room. And, um, you know, it just kind of showed that Drew would take it to any level, uh, for his clients. And, uh, you know, after that, Rob signed with him. Yep. I've heard Gronk speak very highly about Drew. And I know if it wasn't, I guess for Drew, you wouldn't have even gone to charting with that email, right? Yeah, that's true, man. Uh, yeah, Drew, Drew brought me on as well after Rob signed because uh, I mean he normally wouldn't take, uh, you know, someone. I, I was I wasn't even projected to get drafted, so you know the agents they take care of you. You know they got to pay for all your training. It's a big expense, and so he was pretty much uh, picking me up with the hopes I would make it. But at the same time, you know, it was, it was almost a better better chance of it being a losing proposition for him. I, I ended up making him some money, but. Uh, you know, he didn't know that at the time. So you ended up playing, I think, three seasons in the NFL. And one of those years was with Denver in 2012. Rob, of course, has played with Tom his entire career. What was it like being around Peyton Manning for a year? Peyton, Peyton was a man. So actually, I got to be with him for two years. Uh, I was in Indy with him. He was hurt that year. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the, I was the first fullback to come into Indy. And I think that, again, I think that was 10 years. They hadn't had a fullback. And it was because of Peyton's system. Uh, and, and the reason they brought me in, and I was shocked when it happened, what, um, you know, they brought me in because they didn't know how Peyton would do. And, and, you know, Peyton didn't end up playing that year. So they wanted to have a more, um, you know, run, run game focus. And that's why I ended up being the first fullback in, in Indy in 10 years. Uh, so, I, you know, he saw me playing there. Um, his one comment, he came into one film room when I was playing uh, in Indy, and he watched me light up this linebacker. And he said, now that's how you hit somebody. And, um, you know, once, once he went to Denver, uh, I ended up getting traded there a week later. Right. So I, I'm thinking it had to do something with that. Uh, and, and I think that, um, you know, when he went to Denver, it was kind of the same scenario where they weren't 100% sure what the offense was going to look like until, you know, Peyton actually got on the field. So uh, I got to go there. I didn't play a lot because he ended up implementing his exact offense that he had in, in Indy, <laughs> which didn't have a fullback. Uh, so I pretty much was just doing goal line stuff and playing special teams. But no, Peyton's a real deal. Um, I, I tell people that he is, his personality is what you kind of see on TV. Uh, funny, but gets his point across uh, is how he is. Um, so, you know, he might make a joke, but that joke also has a, you know, it also means something at the same time. And uh, one, of, one of my favorite stories is that you know, when we were winning, when we win on the road, uh, we, we'd all of a sudden hear from our captain on the airplane. So, you know, someone would grab the mic and say, hey, you know, your, your captain's speaking. And it, it would actually be Peyton. He'd be like, hey, this is actually your captain of the football team. <laughs> and, uh, so it was funny. He'd get on the mic and uh, he'd kind of go over the game. And, and he'd do it, like I said before, kind of uh, in a funny way, but also get his point across. So uh, one of the best examples is our punt returner caught one and, and ran it to the house, right? So Peyton gets on the mic and says, hey, just want to congratulate you know, the punt team. You guys took one to the house today. That is an absolute game changer for us. He said, and by the way, it's also an absolute game changer when you fumble it on our one yard line. And it's like, <laughs> oh man, like no, <laughs> you know, so um, always there to support, but always there also uh, you know, to get his point across, to, to always make you better. 
and um, he was really good at that. And, and just a just a really good leader, man. Just uh, a coach on the field and, and a great guy to be around. What about Tom? What about Tom Brady? Are all of you guys close to him, or is that just a Rob relationship with him? Uh, so I, I've actually never met Tom. I've never seen him off the field. Um, I know Rob hangs out with him, um, and, and that's in private. So uh, Tom's just – those two together, man, you can't, you can't be in public. So, uh, like, that has to be a private place, a private time that no one can know about. Uh, you know, it, they're just so high profile that it's hard for Tom to, to leave the locker room and go anywhere. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. And it's crazy because Tom and Rob, it's just a perfect match. Whenever Rob got there in 2012 and up until now, there is no better tight end for what Tom does than Rob Gronkowski. That's why I really can't wait for this season. Let's wrap this up here with a quick five. We do this with every guest that we have on. It is five questions. If you want to expand on anything, feel free to do so. Number one, I know you have a brother who played baseball was there any other sport you, growing up you considered playing? Absolutely, man. Um, I played I played baseball one year at Arizona when I transferred. Uh, but no, we we actually our first love, man, was probably hockey. Hockey. Uh, grow up in Buffalo, New York. Uh, you play a sport where you could check people and you could fight people, and you grow <laughs> up with five brothers, man, or four brothers, five you know five boys in a household. Uh, man, that's that's the sport that you fall in love with real quick. That's amazing. Number two here, you grew up in Buffalo, as you said. Were you guys Bills fans growing up? Because I feel like your family fits right in with their fans. Yeah, we were Bills Mafia all day, every day. Uh, you know, that was that was how we were raised in just completely different atmosphere than any other team that I've ever, ever seen or played for, man. Uh, you know, we would go to the games and we'd watch all the yellow jerseys fly to one side because there was a massive fight. And then, you know, all the yellow jerseys, the security guards would then fly to the other side of the stadium because there's another fight. And you end up watching the fights instead of the game. Uh, but, man, yeah, we grew up. My dad went to all, all the Super Bowls. He would hang all the uh, seat cushions on the wall. You know, diehard Bills fans growing up. It's funny because, of course, Rob ends up getting drafted to New England. And they are, of course, rivals to Buffalo. And how did that all work out? Um, number three here, I read somewhere that Rob has only lived off his endorsement money and has never touched his NFL salary or bonuses. Is that true? Yeah, so let me, let me hit on the last point real quick first because uh, I think this is kind of funny. And, um, you know, a lot of people will call him a traitor for not going to Buffalo, right? Right. Uh, he was actually – Buffalo actually had the draft pick before New England. Um, mm -hmm. It was actually before Baltimore, and then New England traded up. But um, they actually had the, the pick before Rob was drafted. And so I, I hear a lot of times, uh, you know, Buffalo fans and, and people in Buffalo call – call him and us a traitor and uh the second i mentioned that they all of a sudden changed their tune real quick blame the general, yeah. what's that blame the general manager man <laughs> not, yeah. not rob yeah i just think you know most people don't realize that a player has no control where he's going when he's drafted that's that's not something that he has any say in you can't say like hey i'd love to play for the bills only you know it's right. just it's just not how things work um uh, but yeah uh with with money wise with his endorsements yeah i mean we we've been um you know, born and raised to respect a dollar, to earn everything that we've been given. And, um, you know, in college, we, we probably lived off $50 a month and, and had to find ways to, uh, you know, get food and uh, bring home food from the complex and snag shakes from the, you know, the training room and stuff like that. So uh, just always were scrappy growing up. And, um, and he stayed that way. He was still bringing home food from the complex uh, with the Patriots. And, um, you know, we really never would spend a lot of money on ourselves. I mean, 
and when I was in the NFL, my first car, you know, was a used car. Um, you know, he was, he was the same. I think he, he bought a used car as well his first year. Uh, so that's kind of how it was, man. Um, you know, you, you kind of learn to enjoy things more in life as you get older, at least I have, but, um, yeah, he, he, he hadn't had to, and he built such a good brand uh, for himself that he didn't have to touch that money. That's absolutely incredible. Um, number four, you're very into nutrition. I've realized what is the biggest nutrition mistake people make? What would you say that is? Man, uh, <laughs> biggest. I, I mean, one thing that I tell people is, um, you know, drinking calories. So I, I think that's huge. Um, you know, if you're drinking like Gatorades and stuff like that, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll bring in 200 calories. That's, you know, that's a decent size, uh, you know, meal sometimes that, that you're just drinking and you don't even realize it. So, um, especially people will grab like a big gulp of, of, you know, pop is what we call it in Buffalo. I don't mm-hmm. know, uh, soda, most people call it, but, um, you know, that's a lot of calories to bring in, uh, just by switching that over to water, you know, you're going to lose a lot of weight uh, immediately, uh, doing that alone. But for me, uh, man, uh, health, you know, fitness tip, just find a way to get 30 minutes of anything in, uh, and have fun with it. I think the biggest mistake is people see it as, as work, as a job. Um, you know, it's something they regret doing. And the second you find something that you actually like to do, the whole game changes. So, uh, you know, for me, I, I, I like to switch it up all the time. But a good example is like I went and um, I did a cycling class and I never thought I would ever like cycling. And I was like, man, this is, you know, this isn't for me. But I got in there, I tried it and um, it ended up being this class where, you know, they, they pump music and it's like a party in there. And, uh, like, man, this is, this is pretty cool. This is something I'd actually do. This is something I enjoy doing. And, um, it, you know, it made it fun. It, it made me actually push myself harder. I was racing against my brothers. So, you know, I had to win. So I ended up burning so many more calories as well, just trying to beat them. And, uh, you know, that's how it should be. It shouldn't be, Hey man, later today, I got to go to the gym. It should be, Hey, I have this awesome class later. I'm going to meet up with some of my friends. So make it fun, make it something you actually enjoy doing and find what it is that you like doing. You know, try new things until you find something you actually like. You know, that's something I've also realized with Ice Shaker and the company that you're doing that you're not just selling a product, you are bringing more to the table, you're adding value, you're giving guys tips, how to do things the right way. Is that something you want to do instead of just being a product and selling it? You want to add more to the table. Is that something you're trying to do? Yeah, man, that's, it's, it's really... In business, what I learned right away was that, you know, if all you care about is making money, you're not going to make money. Uh, you know, if you care about your customers, uh, if you provide people with value uh, that they can actually use, what they're going to do is they're going to use it, but they're also then going to tell all their friends and they're then going to be a, become a loyal customer of yours because you gave them something absolutely awesome. Uh, so that's kind of how I've seen business. That's how I kind of seen life and, and relationships and networking, you know, bring something to the table you know, give someone something of value and they're going to appreciate it and they're going to appreciate you and your company. A hundred percent. Last one here for you, Chris. You were in a house with five brothers or four brothers and yourself growing up. How much money did your parents spend on groceries every week and how many gallons of milk? I'm curious to know this. It had to be a lot, right? So I don't know the exact numbers, but I have three boys now and it's that's already becoming a lot. And um, I, I know my mom had a refrigerator in her house. Uh, she then had a refrigerator in our garage and then she had a freezer, like a full size like, freezer you'd see at like a restaurant. <laughs> that was also, you know, all three of these were full at all times. And, uh, you know, my, my mom actually made every single meal for us. So 
yeah. uh, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We didn't eat out because first off, my parents didn't have money to eat out. Um, and, and eating out with five boys is, is probably an insane cost anyways, but um, didn't have the money to do it. But um, man, she, she loved to cook. And so we didn't eat out and, and it was way too hard to control us at a restaurant as well. So that was actually the number two reason why we didn't eat out. But um, cooked every single meal for us. And so it, it was a lot, man, but she was all about saving money as well. And, and eating at home was the most cost efficient way to do so. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think a week, she'd buy, she'd buy eight gallons of milk at a time. Holy and um, that's about how much we could fit in the two refrigerators uh, before before uh, having to fit food in there as well. So she'd buy eight at a time and she'd also shop first at a grocery store and then at a wholesale store and then, uh, and then we'd come back home. So two stops every time she went to the grocery store. Absolutely incredible. Hey, Chris, man, I want to thank you for coming on. Everyone can go check out Chris's podcast, Gronked Up. It's a podcast that focuses on business, motivation, and hard work. He's had some great guests on as well. And of course, go get yourself an ice shaker if you don't have one yet. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks so much, Ari. Man, that was a fun one. Special thanks to Chris Gronkowski for coming on the podcast this week. You can go and follow him on Twitter and on Instagram as well. It is at Chris Gronkowski. That entire family is just super fun. And I could have probably talked to him for a few more hours. It was that good. That wraps up this week's My Sports Update Football Podcast. We are entering the month of July now. Football will start heating up again. Cam is now with the Patriots, as we talked about in the introduction. Some other big free agents remain available. The deadline to sign tagged players is on July 15. We had a whopping 15 players tagged this offseason. I know it feels like that was a long time ago. But all eyes will be on guys like Dak Prescott, Yannick Ngakwe, Chris Jones, Shaq Barrett, Derrick Henry, and a bunch of other guys. And then, of course, as of right now, training camp is scheduled to start on July 28. There is still so much uncertainty, but the NFL and the NFLPA are making plans to try to make this work. It will be fascinating to see how that all happens. Make sure you're following the My Sports Update Twitter page and turn on notifications so you don't miss anything of what happens in the NFL. I appreciate you guys for listening and downloading the podcast each and every week. Make sure to review and rate the podcast as well if you have not done so yet so other football fans just like you can find the podcast and listen along. I am your host, Ari Marup. I'll be back with another episode next week with another special guest. Until then, so long. I'll talk to you all next week. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele. Our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.